This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Mike Keith with Amy Wells. Amy, how have you been since season's end? You know, Mike, I've been okay. It's always weird when the season ends. It's always a jarring kind of time of year because you feel like you're running a thousand miles an hour and then you just stop. Everything is just kind of done. So uh, I've been trying to get my bearings in the postseason, but it's been good. We're doing all right. Good. Jim Wyatt is kind enough to join us from TennesseeTitans.com, senior writer, editor. I will pose the same question to you, Jim. What have you been doing since Sunday's game ended? Well, I had a lot of follow stuff. Obviously, we had some press conferences on Monday and had some stuff to write about from that. Uh, uh, we've had some futures contracts to announce. We've had some other you know, stuff that's kind of kept me busy. And uh, so I think I'll be able to keep myself busy for a while just with follow stuff. What, what's going to be a challenge, obviously, this off season for a lot of us is just league events. You know, usually we're getting geared up for, you know, for events like, you know, the Senior Bowl and the Pro Bowl and, and you know, covering Super Bowls and going to combines and owners meetings. And we we're facing another off season where a lot of that's going to be limited. So I would think in the coming months, you know, leading up to free agency, that's where the challenge will be to try to find stuff to write about that will keep me busy. I'm sure I'll be able to do it, but it's, it's going to be different this off season and certainly bracing for that here as the season abruptly ends. We begin with the news of the day. The Titans are losing their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Jim Wyatt, was this any surprise to you? Not by the way things played out during the course of the short offseason for us. I mean, Arthur was in hot demand, uh, interviewed for a lot of jobs, uh, got an opportunity you know, in Atlanta that I think is a good fit for him. And I think everyone's genuinely happy for Arthur. I mean, you obviously it affects the Titans. You've got to figure out who's going to take his place and 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 wonder what things might look like. But I don't think Mike Vrabel is surprised by this. And I think um, I think he has a plan moving forward. And I think everyone, including all of us who have watched Arthur kind of grow in the organization, work for four different head coaches know how much the players like and respect him. I think all of us are, are genuinely happy for him as well. Amy, two years ago at this time, Matt LaFleur is becoming the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and we throw out the name Arthur Smith as a potential replacement as offensive coordinator. The majority of people outside of St. Thomas Sports Park say, who? And now he's an NFL head coach. Absolutely. I remember you telling me that that was even a possibility. And I said, really? You think so? I mean, it was just Arthur Smith was a grinder. He kept his head down. He worked his way up through the organization. And I was surprised that he kind of even wanted to be an offensive coordinator. I mean, he was a tight ends coach. He seemed to really like working with those guys. And then he's had all this success as an offensive coordinator with the Titans. And then he's starting to be talked about as a head coaching candidate. And you think, really? You know, like he's just kind of rising through the ranks and doing it quietly. And it seems this offseason is when everybody really 
definitively knew who Arthur Smith was and that he is a serious coach in the National Football League. And when he got hired, I mean, we all remember, it wasn't well received. I mean, I think the, a lot of fans didn't agree with it, weren't on board with it because of that. what Amy said. A lot of people just not all that familiar with him. I remember right talking to Delaney Walker the day that Mike Vrabel promoted him, and I wrote a story about it. A lot of comments underneath it were negative, like you know, they took the easy way out. It was a lazy hire. You know, we're destined for failure. And I remember in that story, Delaney Walker said, the only negative part of this is the fact that Arthur is going to be a head coach uh, in the not so distant future because he's going to do so well. And here we are two years later and he's, he's fulfilled that promise. Jim, if somebody calls you from Atlanta and says, give me one thing about Arthur Smith, that's going to make him a successful head coach. What would that one thing be? Well, I, it's tough to name one. And I know, I know uh, I've already gotten some calls from people from Atlanta and I told them, Hey, let's wait before this thing's, so, you know, done, done before I rave too much about him. I think the, the, I guess if I had to name one thing, it's just, I just think he's just such a smart, uh, th- you know, smart forward thinker. And we've seen that with his offenses, just his ability to call games, but also, you know, whether it's trick plays outside the box thinking, uh, he's just a, he's just kind of um, someone I've always been impressed. He's, he's, hard to really predict what he's going to do, but he's so much more to him than that. I mean, the fact that he worked for four different head coaches here that everybody saw in it, saw something in him that made them think this is a guy we have to have. I think his ability to get along with players so well and to communicate and to know when to push them, know when to back off. He works well with the rest of the staff. There's so many parts of Arthur Smith that make him a good head coach and and uh, I hope he does well. All right, Amy, I'll put the same question to you. If somebody from Atlanta calls you and says, give me one thing about Arthur Smith that's going to make him a successful head coach, what do you say? I think it's that he's not afraid of putting in the work. He'll do whatever it takes. And we've seen time and time and time again, Arthur Smith is a hard worker. He doesn't care about the accolades necessarily. He doesn't care about being recognized. There's no ego associated with Arthur Smith in any capacity. He just works and works and works. And I think the other thing is that he utilizes his players so well. I think he plays to the skill of who he has, and he doesn't try to fit his players into some scheme. And I think that that's really valuable. And I'm just, I'm very happy for him. I think we're all very happy for him. We've known him for 10 years. We've seen him come up through the ranks, defensive quality control, offensive quality control, assistant tight end and assistant offensive line. Then he becomes the tight end coach eventually and moves his way up through the ranks to to get this opportunity. I think the other thing too is his ability to relate to the players. He, He is not a big personality with the media. He is not going to blow them away with his quips and his fancy sayings and whatever. But when it's just him and the fellas, Jim, he is outstanding, and they really enjoy working with him. We've had a chance to see that on the practice field for a long time, but in particular the last couple years when he's been the O.C., yeah, and I think he relates well to players on both sides of the ball. You know, it's been interesting. You know, I, 
I'm not surprised to hear the offensive players rave about him, but when you see players chiming in on social media that on that on defense just kind of shows you his outreach there and just how much he's respected in the building. And I'll be curious just to see where he kind of grows from here. I mean, we know him from, you know, his availability during the course of the practice week, all of them on Zoom this year uh, with the pandemic. But Arthur is, is kind of careful with his words. He doesn't doesn't give you a whole lot. And I think part of that is, you know, him not wanting to overstep things under Mike Vrabel. I think now that it's his show and it will give him a chance to grow and kind of um, I'll be interested to see how he handles the media part of it. I think it was important for him to get in a good market. I think all we have to do is look at Matt LaFleur and how he's kind of evolved as a head coach in Green Bay. He's a natural. And, uh, and I thought – just being honest that he was probably a year away from that, from being that spot. And he's proven me wrong. I mean, he's done a great job. So I expect author to handle that part of it as well. And uh, excited just to kind of see where he was able to take it. Namie, I guess we're going to be excited to see what Mike Vrabel does next. Uh, he stayed in house with his last pick with Arthur Smith. Uh, does he go Todd Downing, the tight end coach who's been an offensive coordinator in the league does he look at a guy like Keith Carter, the offensive line coach? Does he look at Rob Moore or Tony Dews or Pat O'Hara? Or does he decide to go outside and bring in another influence to possibly tweak what they do in a different way? What we've already seen from Vrabel is he's not interested in sentimental. This, this is not about, you know, achieving a legacy of building a tree it's about how you make the Titans better for 2021. Right, absolutely. But we've also seen that Coach Vrabel is very much a uh, merit-based kind of guy. So if you've put in the work and shown that you can do something, he'll give you opportunities. So from that standpoint, being on a Mike Vrabel staff, no matter what, has got to be an exciting opportunity because you know that those chances exist. Whether or not he'll stay internal or he'll bring someone else in, who knows? I mean, he'll probably look around and then weigh his best options that way, I would guess. But, I mean, he and I don't talk about these things, so I don't really know. Um, but I do know it's going to be fun to watch um, just as this offseason kind of evolves and seeing what this coaching staff looks like in the 2021 season. Um, I trust Mike Vrabel and whatever he decides to do. So if he's on board, I'm on board. Jimmy's built good staff so far. He has. I mean, the fact this is a second assistant to get a head coaching job is pretty remarkable. And I do think his staff has, has really evolved and been really solid. I mean, look at especially on offense where, you know, Keith Carter has gotten the most out of that group. Tony Dews, obviously, coaching the NFL's, you know, leading rusher. You know, Todd Downing, I think, has really picked up, done a nice job. Um, you know, where Arthur left and uh, and then Rob Moore, you know, I, I think he's really done a good job with receivers. And, and then on the defensive side of ball, obviously he's he's had a good mind to put players in place. Now, I'll be curious just to see what happens as a result, how much shuffling takes place as a result of this. If he stays inside, less shuffling. If he goes outside, we all know, you know, that, you know, it's just offensive coordinators, kind of want their own guys around them. So 
we don't exactly know what is going to happen. I have a hunch that Mike Vrabel, you know, wants to retain most of this staff, but we'll we'll obviously have to wait and see. Let's talk Titans roster for just a moment. First of all, uh, futures contract. One name really jumping out to me, former Vanderbilt tight end Jared Pickney, who was with the Falcons last year. Jim, what does Pickney potentially add to this roster? Well, he's coming in at a good time. I mean, this is a time when every when all these tight ends have expiring contracts. Anthony Furcher, restricted free agent, but John U. Smith and, you know, uh, you know, Michael Pruitt, uh, Jeff Swaim, all those guys' deals are up. And uh, I think Pickney, when he looked at options, uh, felt like this was a good place to be. He's a big athletic tight end who was really, really good at Vanderbilt as a junior. Um, you know, so much so that you, know, you had people talking about him being a potentially, you know, second round pick, which I thought was high. He comes back for a senior at Vanderbilt. Things didn't go very well. Didn't get a lot of opportunities. Played on a really bad football team. You know, I think he, you know, expressed some frustration about getting not not getting more opportunities. And, and Derek Mason had to tell him this is not the Jared Pickney show, and he just had to kind of limp to the finish. Didn't have a didn't run real well. Um, and then didn't get drafted. Uh, but he's had a year in Atlanta where he was able to kind of learn what it takes to be a pro and around some others. And I was surprised that he was available uh, to be signed as a, as a futures contract player. So I think it's good good spot for him, good timing for the Titans. Anxious to kind of see how, where he goes from here. Free agents for the Titans. Lots of fans going to start to focus on that immediately. The list when you view it, what jumps out, who jumps out? Well, Corey Davis, obviously, John U. Smith, you know, Jayon Brown, you know, those are three big ones that jump out. And, and you wonder how the Titans are going to be able to keep all of them in a year where cap is going to be complicated. You know, Stephen Gaskowski, you know, Jadavian Clowney, Daquan Jones. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And and a lot's going to hinge on what players are willing to play for, what other teams are are going to be after them, and how much they drive up the market. There'll be some challenges, uh, you know, heading into uh, late February and March just to see how many guys you can keep and whether you can keep them from getting out to the market. The salary cap number was just over $198 million this past year, Amy. When we say the 175 million number for 2021, that's the bottom. That's because there is a revenue drop. Now, a lot of teams are very hopeful the number doesn't fall that far. But the Titans are one of those ball clubs because they paid a quarterback, which they had to do, because they paid a running back, because they have a left tackle who's on a contract, they have a safety who's on a big contract, because they're not a really young team anymore, they're not, they're not a bunch of newbies, these are the things that you start to battle. You have to hope the number is higher. You know, if the number is $190 million, it's certainly better for teams like the Titans. But Jim just hit it. There are a lot of teams that are in this boat. Who's not in this boat, however, the Indianapolis Colts. And I was looking at their numbers today in a projection of $175 million cap, 
they have 60 plus million dollars that they can spend. Now they're going to have to spend on a quarterback too, you know, but they had kind of taken it all down when Andrew Luck left and that gave them some freedom and they have built back up, but you know, they're going to be one of those teams to watch. Well, they're a team that's going to have a lot of resources and they're going to be a lot of good players who are cut from team rosters just because teams can't afford them. And so being a team like the Colts, like the Jags, who have a lot of money and being able to invest in some of those players that are really good and still have a lot left in the tank is a good place to be for them. Not exactly who I want to share division with, but (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) You know, I mean, they're going to, they say, Jim, they're going to take a month with Philip Rivers right now. And that Philip Rivers is going to take a month to decide what he wants to do. But I mean, you could see a lot of options for them at the quarterback position. If Detroit lets Matthew Stafford go, you could see him jumping in there. Other veteran quarterbacks, because it worked well. I mean, Phillip Rivers did a good job in that system, got better as the year went on. They should have beaten Buffalo. So whatever they do at quarterback, I, unfortunately for the Titans, I think the Colts are going to be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they got a good coach. They obviously have a good general manager. As you mentioned, they've got a lot of cap room to work with, you know, and they did have a roster that could have won in Buffalo. I mean, they, they just like, you know, Titans fans are frustrated and, and so are players and coaches and personnel with what happened on Sunday. Look at Indy. I mean, they go to Buffalo and, and dominate possession in that game, had all kinds of opportunities to kind of take control of that game. They didn't do it. And, and that's, the big question is what you do decide at quarterback. You know, Rivers played well enough, you know, for them to win that game. He didn't, wasn't able to close the deal and do some things late. No matter what they decide, I think they've got going to have a roster surrounding the quarterback position that's going to make them a, a, a tough contender in the AFC South and the entire AFC. Now let's talk Jacksonville. Amy, I'm, I'm going to get your thought first, and then I'm going to get Jim's thought to follow. Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, your first thought on that? I think the first thing I said out loud when I heard that was, huh, (laughs) and that's kind of where I stand with it. I think, I mean, he's, he's obviously a familiar face in Florida. I think this is going to be a really fun experiment. I think that's where I'm at. And if it's an experiment that kind of goes sideways, then I'm really glad they're in our division. So we'll see. <laughs> and I think it's going to go really good or really bad. I mean, we, we've seen uh, college coaches make that jump before, and it didn't go so well. Steve Spurrier won, uh, obviously won. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be a big hit as far as ticket sales go. Uh, I think he's taking – they've got to take Trevor Lawrence – with the first pick, if he comes in there and tries to convince them to, to do something else and they do something else with that first pick, he ought to be fired in May um, because, uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a season ticket seller and a quarterback who I think is going to be really good in the NFL. So they've got a chance for a, you know, for a, a turnaround there because they also have a lot of draft picks and some money to work with and, uh, and, they can kind of start the rebuild process pretty quickly uh, with those two guys. And, um, you know, uh, I think people could look at the Jaguars differently in a couple of years. 
Yeah, but I have a feeling that this could be the Cleveland Browns of two years ago, where they win the Super Bowl in the offseason and go into the regular season with all these flashy names and everybody's really fired up and Urban Meyer seems like the man. And then they kind of choke once they actually get to the football part of the season. I think that could be a real possibility. They have the amount of resources to put a lot of really flashy, really exciting things together all at once. And sometimes that doesn't always go as well in like performance as it does when you just write it down on a sheet of paper. So I'll be interested to see what they end up doing. I think Daniel Jeremiah hit the nail on the head. I think this is akin to Jimmy Johnson joining the Dallas Cowboys in 1989. And the reason I think that is they have 70 plus million dollars in cap room. They have 11 draft picks. They have two ones and three twos. They're going to draft their quarterback. Urban Meyer loves Trevor Lawrence. He's made that clear every time he's been on TV. He runs the type of offense, Trevor Lawrence does, that Urban Meyer is going to want to run in the pros anyway. It's what he did at Florida and what he did at Ohio State. You have a committed owner. And, and I can promise you they're paying him a lot of bucks. I don't know if it's $12 million a year, but it won't surprise me if it is. They haven't hired their general manager yet, which gives you the idea that Urban Meyer has been given control, which he loves. He loves control. He's probably not staying 10 years because he burns out. That's what he does. You know, he, he's probably five, six, seven years max, but that's okay. And the thing about ownership, too, in making this move is for the model that Shad Khan wants to build the, I think it's the Lot J thing that they're wanting to do for $230 million, for the involvement they have in London, for everything they want to do, they have gone and gotten something that has taken them from empty on the needle to totally beyond full. You know, they have topped off their tank with this one. Everybody in Jacksonville today is going nuts. And they got exactly what they wanted, losing down the stretch. In, in listening to their media when we were down there, Amy, they were all like, yep, hope we lose, you know, because to them, there was no difference in two and 14 and three and 13 and one and 15. The only difference is they don't get Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think they've gotten what they wanted and, you know, we'll see how it works out. The other thing too is, I think Doug Marone did a pretty good job with this club this year. They were so young and so injured. They had a lot of young guys who played and developed. I, I think they could be a threat to sneak in the playoffs next year, especially with the pieces they will add. So, yeah, I'm real up on this move. I, unfortunately, from the Titans' perspective, you know, I, I just think Indianapolis is going to get tougher. I think Jacksonville is going to get significantly tougher. And as long as Deshaun Watson is in Houston, they're going to be a pain as long as they go. I'm with Jim. I think this will be either really, really good or really, really bad. Like one of the two. I was going to say, Mike, I thought that maybe, you know, with all of the moves and projecting toward the future, fans are still going to need some patience. I see them going from a one-win team to maybe a six or seven-win team next year. But knowing that they have some pieces – that they're going to be a contender, uh, you know, in 2022, 2023. I think it's still going to take them a little while, but I think they, you know, I think they, they make big strides next year, but the best is yet to come. Let's put it this way. This, the seventh place team 
in the NFC who got in the playoffs was eight and eight. Okay, so that didn't happen this year in the AFC. The seventh place team in the AFC was 11 and five. That was Indianapolis. That's not going to happen next year. I, I think there's going to be some stuff that comes off the top of some of the teams at the top when you look at their cap number because they're going to have to let people go. With the cap going down, or let's say best case scenario, it even stays the same at 198 you're still going to have to lose some guys. Some of these teams, it's going to be almost impossible for them to make any big acquisitions based on the fact that in order to do so, they're going to have to let a bunch of guys go. I mean, the, the, the contending teams who are up against it are going to have to say goodbye to good players that they don't want to get rid of, Amy, because they're going to need the cap room. I, I mean, it's just, it is going to happen. And I think that's going to be a tough adjustment for a lot of fans. Thus, I think it makes the draft even more important for a lot of those clubs in 2021. And, and the Titans are certainly included in that. Absolutely. But I think that this is all kind of restoring the natural rhythm to the National Football League. Like this year, it was bananas how different the AFC and the NFC were dramatically different. And I know that Mike, you and I had had conversations throughout the season, just how did this even happen? So it feels like the National Football League has a really good way of kind of restoring balance back to, I don't know, whatever weird the natural order <laughs> yeah whatever terms you want to use but they find a way of kind of coming back to the middle and I think this is going to be one of the ways that the league does that is the cap is going to change teams are going to have to get rid of players that under normal circumstances they would not be getting rid of and other teams are going to end up picking those players up and everything's going to balance out a little bit it's like a forest fire Jim what do you think about that I think that's an interesting uh, observation there. It's true. I mean, and the Titans obviously, you know, faced with some challenges here in Tennessee. You know, again, we talk about some of the free agents this team has. And, you know, the way I look at this team moving forward is you almost have two draft classes to work with next year. We don't know what's going to happen with Isaiah Wilson. I hate to even bring his name up just because it just leads to more questions. But guys like Christian Fulton and guys, you know, like Darrington Evans, you know, some of the other draft picks from this year who didn't make as much of a contribution because of injuries and, and other things are going to be back in the mix trying to make that jump in year two. And then you're going to have a draft class that you're going to be expecting big things out of. So when you talk about draft classes and how they can bolster teams for next year, you know, Titans are going to get more bump from some of the guys who, who were expected to do more this year and really just didn't for one reason or the other. Well, the Titans went into the 2020 draft not having to draft a starter. Some years you go into a draft having to draft one or two or three starters. And that was part of the reason they went Isaiah Wilson where they did because they felt like the year of development would give him a chance to eventually take his place. Now, nobody, including anybody who knew him at Georgia, saw what happened happening. I think everybody's surprised by this. And again, you said it, we don't know where it goes. What we do know though, is that the Titans don't have to make any decision on that right away. 
There's not a timetable on that. Many people have asked me, when do they have to do something about that? And the answer is, you know, when, whenever they decide to. Yeah, I mean, you know, the hope is that he will kind of get himself together because this is hinges. The team is trying to help him. Teammates would love to see him kind of help himself. No, so 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 much changes on him, but reality is you'd like. And again, we don't even know what the off season's going to look like this year. I was right. going to say well, you hope to get him in OTAs and mini camps, and he kind of get himself together. You know. A lot to be discussed there about what the offseason looks like, too. So, you know, the hope is that you can get, you know, is give him a chance to help himself get better on the field and then kind of see what happens in training camp. Now, um, it's a, assuming a lot there because with him, obviously, he he has to work through some things and, uh, and has to put himself in a position to succeed. And he hasn't done that to this point. Well, Christian Fulton, I think, is a big factor in that because if you feel like he can be he can be harder, then that changes your calculus a little bit with what you're looking at. Uh, Darrington Evans, you want to be your number two back. There's no about no doubt about that. If Murchison is a guy who can become a regular part of the rotation, maybe he's a starter. You know, maybe maybe he's a guy that when you're in three down linemen, you feel like he can do it, but Amy, I think Jim said it well. We don't even know about OTAs. We don't know when the combine is. We, we, I mean, we don't really have much of an idea. The players' union does not want to have OTAs anymore. They're saying we don't need them any longer. We proved that we didn't need them. We're the only sport that does an off-season practice program. The NBA doesn't do it. Major League Baseball doesn't do it. Um, although I would argue what he calls spring training, but they would say that's training camp. Um, it, it's a it's a confounding time for a general manager like John Robinson and a head coach like Mike Vrabel. Absolutely. And if you're in the draft class of last season that Jim was talking about, gosh, don't you just want some sort of answer so you can put together some sort of plan? Like back-to-back years of uncertainty has got to be so frustrating for those guys who all they want to do is prepare and make the team. But you guys have been around the NFL a lot longer than I have. Have you experienced an offseason with more question marks, excluding a lockout year because those are hard for different reasons. But have you faced an offseason with more question marks than we have right now going into the 2021 offseason? I was looking at this, and, and Jim will remember this. Floyd Reese tried to keep the band together as possibly could. In 2003 and 2004 both, he had to work very hard to do it. He had to take the, the chairs and shuffle them in different ways in order to keep everything together. And the nice thing is Titans know who their quarterback is. They know who the running back is. They know they've got A.J. Brown. They know they've got Kevin Byard. They know they've got Rashawn Evans. They know they've got Jeffrey Simmons. So they've got a lot of pieces in place, but how do you keep the other pieces together and add some pieces in different places knowing you're going to have to subtract? I, I guess, Jim, that's what I'm going back to is – this will be the most different offseason for John Robinson that he's ever had. That's the year that 
Floyd Reese had to make the decision to, you know, they've tried to keep it together, as you said, and Derek Mason, Samari Roll, Kevin Carter, Fred Miller, Robert Holcomb, Joe Gnatney, all those guys are released along with a couple of other restricted free agents who weren't tendered. I remember that so well. And that was kind of a starting over process for this franchise after such a good run. This is different. I mean, this team's not in the, in the mindset of starting over. This is not a rebuild. You know, Kevin Byard even said it himself on Monday in the Zooms when we, as those players left the room. There are obviously some holes on this roster and areas that need to improve. You're going to do it with the draft. You're going to do it with free agency. I, I say it's the, it's the most questions since I've been around. When you don't know what the offseason is going to look like because of OTAs and minicamps, when you've got so many uh, free agents out there, when you've really got some questions still surrounding to your 2020 draft class, it just creates a whole lot of uncertainty. You, you, you hear so much about players improving so much from year one to year two. Well, what happens if there's not an offseason again? I mean, it, it throws a wrench into things. And this is just not a Titan-specific issue. This is going to be the case across the league. And, uh, you know, I know coaches would love to have – guys in the building more this offseason. Just don't know if it's going to happen. For this team, it's going to be as much about guys that are already on the roster improving than anything else. Yeah. That's what this ball club's 2021 is going to hinge on because I just don't think you're going to be able to go out and sign the the dramatic free agent. Like, listen, all of us in every sport want that for our team. Jim wants it for the Dodgers. I want it for the Yankees. I mean, you you as a as a sports fan, you love that. I don't think that's what the Titans play is going to be this year. I think it's going to be more about how do we keep good players, you know, and how do we how do we not say goodbye to good players that we want. And then the draft. I mean, picking at number 22, you know, you've, to me, you've, you're hoping that's an impact guy on defense, right? Yeah. And I think if you look at the team and you get one big acquisition back in Taylor Lewand, I mean, that's, you, you forget almost what an impactful player you lost early in the season in him. And I think that, you know, was kind of exposed a little bit in the playoff loss to the Ravens. I think the offensive line, needs to be retooled some. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, um, I think that the biggest offseason need in my mind is, is edge rusher. And whether that comes in free agency, whether that comes in draft, probably should come in both. I mean, I, and I think that's, you got to go about finding ways to help the defense. And uh, that's, that, that's that's priority one for me. But I think you're looking for Kyle Vandenbosch, Jason Babin in free agency. And for those old enough to remember, Amy, those were not big name free agents. Jim Washburn pushed like crazy for Kyle Vandenbosch. He had played four years in Arizona and had not done much, had had a lot of injuries. He was a second round pick. Jason Babin had been a guy that had kind of been all over the block. And then he comes here and has one really good year. I, I don't think it's going to be you're trying to make a deal for Khalil Mack or Von Miller. You're looking for somebody who can up their impact and can stay within your payroll. Right. I think you're looking for those guys, the Dennis Kellys of the world, the right. people who can come into a team, 
be consistent, be reliable, make plays. And that's it. Like, that's what this team needs to kind of supplement that core group of guys that you were talking about that this team has. There are a lot of successful, really good players on this Titans team that are still going to be here, that we're sure will be here. So if you can bring in kind of a supplemental cast to improve the team as a whole and then start adding to it with the draft and some of these younger guys who are going to come in and learn and grow and contribute as the season goes on, that's what you're looking for, I think. I think if you're John Robinson, that's kind of what's in your brain. I mean, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know, but I would think that that seems like a good strategy going into this offseason with so many question marks. I do think you ought to got to find one in the draft too, though. I mean, cause I, I th- those guys, you'd love to have a Babin, love to have a Vandenbosch type, but as we know, those that's easier said than done. I mean, those guys were gems who developed here. And uh, so you need to find one of those, but I think you need to hit on somebody in the draft that's going to help you for years to come as well. And, and, and I'm going to kind of go back and I talked about retooling the offensive line. The reality is you just need the offensive line to get healthy. I mean, and you get Taylor Lewan back in that left tackle, you know, you get Saffold, Ben Jones healthy again. I thought Nate Davis played well. I think Dennis Kelly continues to do a solid job. But you need to figure out what's going on again. I hate to keep bringing Isaiah Wilson's name up, but you're going to need to either have him develop or get some other players in there that can help solidify that group uh, moving forward as well. I think you said it well, though, about the pass rusher in the draft. Let's say you take one at 22 that player is cost-effective for four years. Right. And for where the Titans are right now, five great winning seasons, you need that player to be cost-effective for four years. You know, you, you need that to happen. You need Christian Fulton to become a starter, and then he's cost-effective at the corner position for three more years. Even if they don't start right away, those sorts of positions are so key because there are certain positions, you know, the guard position is one, the center position is often one, two. There are certain inside linebacker is one where you can generally find different parts to go in according to what you need. Is a rookie okay? Is a veteran okay? We'll figure it out with the puzzle. But there are certain positions, it's like why A.J. Brown for two more years is such an incredibly valuable player doing what he does at the cost that, that he is right now. Now, in a couple of years, A.J. Brown going to cost a lot of money, a lot of money. That's, that's the way that goes. That's the, that's the natural evolution too, Amy, that we were talking about. But when you're a good team and you're trying to become a great team, then you have to put yourself in this sort of position where you can add these parts back. Or you can choose to do it like what it looks like Kansas City is going to do, Jim. And that was almost Floyd Reese's model, too. And that is they're going to pay 11 guys a lot of money. They're going to, they're going to, their best 11 players, they're going to pay them a lot of money. And then the other 42 guys, they're not getting paid. They're just going to continue to rotate people through in these different spots based on the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes. And because they have Patrick Mahomes, they think they have a chance every single week. So they're going to keep Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and guys like that. And then everybody else is going to be somebody who just rotates through. And that's a strategy that works when you have 
some of, you know, when you have four or five of the best players in the league, you can do that. Indianapolis did that with Peyton Manning, you know, they, their secondary was, it's like, who is this guy? I mean, it was almost somebody different every year because they were going to keep Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Edger and James and on defense, they were going to keep Freeney and Mathis. And then everybody else was just sort of, you know, we're going to rotate. That's your point earlier about the draft being so important. That, that's again, the way you do it. You got you to be able to hit on your draft picks and be able to count on those guys playing. I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I'm sad the season's over, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what John Robinson does this offseason because I think we're going to have a ton of storylines to follow. I don't know that anything's going to happen fast. I think Titans fans may have to be patient, but I think it's going to be enjoyable to see how he puts this puzzle together, and he's good at puzzles, let's face it. Absolutely. I think that this is going to be one of the off seasons where Titans fans will start to see other teams making waves and will think, well, where are the Titans? What are they doing? Everyone just be cool. John Robinson is always working. Even when you don't see him working, he's still working. But I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think this is going to be a very interesting off season. I think it's going to be very entertaining. And I think once we start the 2021 season, we're going to look back on it and go, huh, we got a pretty good team put together here. So I'm excited about that. Almost as excited as I am to spend an off season prepping for the draft focusing on edge rushers because that's my favorite every year anyway. And so now I have an extra excuse to just really lock into a position that I love. When it comes to healthcare coverage, you should be the one to make the call. So call Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Jim White, I just have to call you out here. Great job by you during the course of the season at TennesseeTitans.com with um, all of the information and insight. That, yeah, fantastic. You, my friend, had a Pro Bowl year. Well, I appreciate it. I could say the same for you guys. I mean, it, it was obviously a different year. And I, it's, I look back at it and and realize, you know, how unique of a season it was. I still remember all of us having conversations in June or July or, you know, what's it going to look like this year? How are we going to be able to manage? And the fact that, that, that you guys were able to – not only travel and do the job, but do such a good job when, and I heard you say it, Mike, one of only two teams in the NFL to be able to go to every single game. The Saints, the only other team. And I think that's remarkable. And uh, and I feel very privileged to have been able to go to all of these games. It was different and it was challenging for us. You know, we you know obviously had to work through challenges at, at stadiums across the country, having to do things differently that we've done in years past. Travel was different than years past. Uh, you know, how you, you know, access to players and coaches different than years past. I mean, everything was different, but you just got to keep your head down and do the best you can do with the opportunities that are there. So uh, now I wish we were still getting ready to play a, a playoff game this weekend in Buffalo. I think of how fun those, those prime time playoff games are, you know, we did one in New England last year and we did one in Baltimore and I can just imagine what it would have been like to be in Buffalo one Saturday night. So it's, it's tough to, uh, to not still be getting ready for a game, but I do think, you know, I am proud that all of us were able to, to 
do what we love to do during a, a season that we hope is a lot is back to close to normal in 2021. Amy, we knew it was going to be unusual when we went to Denver and we were checking in for the first time. <laughs> so we're standing outside this tent. Jim, I don't know if you were there at the same time we were, but so we're checking in at this, this tent and these two nice ladies are working there and they don't work for the Broncos. They don't work for the stadium. They're just people doing a job and they're doing the very best they can. And they were very sweet. And we couldn't figure out how to get the information to be able to log in and answer all the health questions. We finally figured it out. Um, every morning at 5 a.m., I still get something for the Broncos about answering all the health questions <laughs> to this day. So <laughs> that's how strange that ended up. But the, but the strangest part was they had the heat seeking monitors or whatever to take your temperature. And when I walked up to the first one, my temperature was 106.7. <laughs> Mike died in Denver. At the radio station. <laughs> It's 106.7, the temperature, um, the fever. So, so I'm like, I don't think my fever is 106.7. Well, the greatest thing is there was a guy from the NFL office next to us who was not very patient, and he was not very amused by all this. His temperature was over 107 on the monitor. And I, and I looked at Coach Mack, and I go, this is going to be a year like no other. And uh, it was, I mean, everywhere we went, there was a, a different challenge, uh, a different hurdle to overcome. Uh, by the way, my, for those listening to the OTP, my temperature was not 106.7. I was, I was healthy. <laughs> everybody, Coach Mack registered like 105.8. I mean, everybody, there was a problem <laughs> with how they had set, because they had put these monitors, these, these temperature gauges, out in the parking lot in the heat. And in September in Denver, it was 90 degrees. So, uh, but that was just, that's not making fun of them. That's just illustrating how the year was going to go, Amy. And it was like that all along. Absolutely. Every place we went to, there was a new fun surprise and a new challenge. I mean, we had equipment set up in hallways at certain places. There was plexiglass just everywhere. Um, uh, we took planes, trains, and automobiles to get where we needed to go. I mean, this was truly <laughs> one for the record books. It was a wild season, but the fact that we were able to make it to every single game, because we really, truly took it one week at a time. It was this week, can we go to the game? All right, let's start making those plans. We never planned more than a game or two in advance because you didn't know what was on the other side of the next week. You just didn't know what kind of restrictions they might have in that stadium, what's going on in a certain city. You don't know what air travel, anything is going to look like because there were a lot of adjustments in 2020. So to have gotten to the end of the season, to have had the type of year that the Titans had, and to know that we were there along the way, experiencing it with them, telling those stories, doing everything that we could to bring that stuff to the people back home, that I'm very proud of that and what we were able to do. But good gravy, I've never laughed so hard and been so confused about how we're gonna get from one place to the next, but man, we made it. <laughs> Glad we tried it. 
I'm glad it worked out. Most of all, I'm glad everybody stayed healthy. You know, that's the, that's the big thing is because we were nervous. I mean, there's just no, I mean, again, this was not an act of bravery. Don't deserve a medal for any of this. And don't think we do because we, we were going because we love to do what we do and we thought it was the best way to do it. And the organization said, if you want to try it, try it, which I, I think most of the other broadcasts for sure, they would have gone if they could. But due to state, local regulations, or their organization, they couldn't. Ours gave us the choice, and um, we tried it, and uh, I think we got lucky, Amy. Oh, we definitely got lucky, but, I mean, there was also a lot of hard work that went into that. So I'm very appreciative of everybody who helped us pull that off, um, but let's not do that a lot, huh? <laughs> that no. was hard. <laughs> no, let's not do that a lot. I. That was enough. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. I did draw on my three years of doing the Nashville Cats, though. That was <laughs> that was big. Three years of Cats football on Cats radio uh, from 2005 through 2007. Jim had his Tennessean experience to draw from. I had my cat. <laughs> All right. For A.B. Wells and Jim Wyatt, I'm Mike Keith. We thank you for everything this season. We're going to keep it going in the offseason, moving towards our third anniversary. This is the OTP. Where the legends go, everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.